my name's Steph and you probably know me better as Moving Forward, Looking Forward on Instagram or Facebook. I, before I begin, have a bit of a funny story to tell you. Not only do I have no clue what I'm doing as far as podcasting goes, I had to watch an introduction on YouTube on how to set up my mic problem was it was by an eight-year-old Dutch boy. Couldn't understand a thing he was saying but somehow I've managed to construct the mic and the stand and it appears as though I'm recording and it looks as though the volume is okay. I do apologize if I get any of this wrong for my first few episodes. It's going to be a learning curve for me and I really really look forward to sharing my knowledge with anyone who's interested at some point in time. I would like to also begin by apologizing for any noise you hear in my many podcast introduction manuals. It does say to find a quiet place and whilst I'm in a quiet place right now, I have three dogs who like to bark at anything that moves. I also have been known to be subjected to door knockers, real estate agencies, Foxtel people, solar panel people and the occasional Jehovah's Witness. So if at any point a dog barks or I get a knock at the door, once again, I apologize. <sighs> Where do I begin? <laughs> I thought maybe I'd start by giving a little brief rundown about me, who I am, where I've been and how I've gotten there. And in later episodes, I'll expand on those topics I don't blame anyone for anything that I say today and particularly in relation to my childhood. I don't want my family to think that I am placing blame on them for my weight gain. I take responsibility for that myself and I'll explain why during this episode. I've been big my whole life. I remember prep not being as big as what I was in say grade three and in grade three I remember my size becoming an issue when we had to try on these skirts and one of the volunteer mums came in and measured all the girls wrote down on the whiteboard the size of our waists and mine was the biggest and I remember looking at that thinking oh. I knew I was bigger I mean as you grow up when you're a child you start looking at other people around you and you notice differences between yourself and others but seeing those numbers written up on that board I don't really remember how I felt other than I knew that mine was the biggest number and I needed the biggest skirt and I needed the most elastic I was bullied a lot at school I <laughs> this is a, a whole topic in itself, but I was subjected to it a lot in primary school and more so in high school. My toughest memory was in high school when I had the bus doors locked on me because apparently I would have popped the tires. We were on the way to a theatre studies excursion. I absolutely loved theatre studies but I was deterred from continuing it because I didn't like some of the girls in my class and on this particular day we were going on an excursion and I was heading down the gravel path toward the bus and this girl who I won't name but... <laughs> 
she locked the doors on the bus and started shouting out the window that I couldn't get on the bus because I would pop the tires and I remember I remember being hurt I remember crying I remember walking to the office and calling my mother and asking her to come and pick me up I don't quite remember what my mum did I know she did contact the school but I don't quite remember the outcome of that because every single day that particular group of girls and this one ringleader would bully me they would sing songs as I walked past I feel the earth move under my feet I'm sure if any of you experienced bullying for your size in school you would have had that song sung to you along with hey 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 it's fat Albert I mean god I'm a girl I'm not a guy so my name's not even Albert but at that point in time those sorts of things didn't make sense to me and and I didn't really question them I just used to try and get through the day as best as I could in high school I started wearing a belt around my waist it was my father's belt and I would tighten it as hard as I could around my waist because I remember seeing the skinnier girls being able to put their hands on their waist and they looked lovely they looked really nice they looked slender they looked thin they looked like what I wanted to be so I got this belt and I I tightened it around my waist and I wore it for such a long time I can't remember how long but I've actually got and I'm feeling it now I know you can't see it because this is a podcast not a, a vlog but I've got a, a mark around my waist from where that belt was it used to make me feel skinny because I'd put my hand on my waist where my belt was and my waist would look smaller than what it actually was it hurt a lot to have it I used to get sores just above my belly button from where I'd done it up so tight but it achieved the purpose that I wanted it to achieve which was to look smaller I used to wear my jumper in summer as well because there was a guy in my class who was a bit bigger he may remember this I don't even know if he will be listening let alone anyone from my old high school but he used to wear his jumper in summer because it used to make him sweat and in turn he believed he was losing weight so I used to do the same thing as best as I could until I got hot I really don't like being hot but there were just there were so many things that I used to do to try and become thin so that I wouldn't be bullied so that I didn't have to live in my fantasy world which is another topic I'll discuss in a couple of other episodes but I used to oh this is actually harder than I thought it would be <laughs> um I used to make stuff up I used to make stuff up so people would like me because I didn't feel that people would like me I didn't feel like I was ever enough and I used to say things that weren't true so that I would get attention so that I would have friends and even if they were only my friends for a couple of days until the lie was discovered I would still have those friends for that particular time and some of the things I used to say were that I was sponsored by Rip Curl for surfing and I'd offer surfboards I used to tell people that my brother did lighting at concerts and I could get tickets for them and I remember one particular boy I promised these tickets to would ask me nearly every day if I had them and I apologized to the people that I hurt 
I don't think I hurt anyone as such, but I embarrassed myself and I suppose didn't help my cause at all. I used to give out CDs to people so that they would be my friends. I used to steal them from my mum's collection. One of them that comes to mind is Boys to Men. And I gave that to one of the most popular girls in my class because I wanted her to be my friend. She liked me for a little while. And when I say a little while, a couple of days. And after that, had no interest in me at all. I used to bring in things to draw attention, like electric scissors and cool whiteout pens. And this is a, a whole other episode. But I suppose what I'm trying to get the point of was I was so desperate to be liked I was so desperate to be accepted and I used to go to extraordinary means to do so because I was so miserable because no one seemed to whack me for who I was and what I had to offer because as a bigger person you really how do I say it you're not of value to anyone no one picks you first in sports no one really wants to have a lot to do with you no one no one has time for you and and I speak on my own experiences solely but I've spoken to a lot of people over the years who also had some of the same issues that I did when being in high school and the story is similar the way we dealt with it is quite different but the story is similar when you're the bigger person you're the one who gets picked on you're not you're not wanted And that was a really hard thing for me to deal with because that's all I wanted was to desperately be wanted. I used to overeat a lot. Another topic that I'll talk about in a completely different episode. My mum actually locked the cupboard. (laughs) I shouldn't laugh, but we had a big padlock on our cupboard at home because I used to steal Nutella, peanut butter. One of my favorite concoctions to make was sugar and butter. And I don't even know if my mum knows this, but we had a fridge in the laundry and I used to go in there with the butter and the sugar and a fork and a cup and I used to stir up butter and sugar and I'd eat it and it tasted good and my way of coping was to eat. I used to go to the canteen and tell them that I didn't have any lunch, so they'd give me lunch, but I'd already eaten my lunch. But I'd do that because my coping mechanism was food, and it was that coping mechanism that got me through for several years, which, once again, is another another episode in itself. So as a result of my lies and being bullied, I ended up going to five different high schools throughout the course of my teenage years I was a really smart kid and I learned a lot of stuff I really wish I grabbed those opportunities now though that I look back I could have done so much better than what I have now but no regrets at all the only things I regret in my life are when I've hurt people and that will probably be another whole episode on its own as well but I ended up dropping out of school partway through year 11 and I decided that I wanted to go and do my own thing, which I did really, really well. I was a rebellious teenager and I had no direction. I had no idea what I wanted to do with my life and I met 
this guy and moved to Mildura and had a child at the age of 18. Well, I turned 19 12 days later, but I had Lachlan and Lachlan was one of the best things that ever happened to me. I felt as though I had a purpose, I had a direction, I had something to wake up for every day and I had something to give someone else and in turn I had someone to love me. Lachlan's father and I didn't work out. We separated for a while then we got back together and that resulted in my second child who I had at the age of 21. His name's Callum. And Callum was, oh my gosh, how do I say it? (laughs) Going from one child to two children, as any parent knows, is tough. You think you've mastered it with one child, but then you have the second and you have to relearn it. Going from two children to four children is a whole different ballgame in itself. I've actually got four kids. Two of them are twins. They just turned 11. Their names are David and Charlotte. Whilst I was pregnant with Callum, I actually ended up having gallstones. I was diagnosed with them shortly after I found out I was pregnant with him. And I went down from around about 130 kilos when I found out I was pregnant with him to around 95 after he was born. It was the smallest that I had been in however long I could remember, probably from when I was in early high school. And the reason I managed to get to that weight was because I couldn't eat anything when I was pregnant with him. My diet was saladas and Vegemite because anyone who's had gallstones or knows someone who has gallstones, the gallstone attack can be triggered by different types of foods. For me, it was fatty foods and anything too acidic. So it was quite tough not being able to eat a lot of the things that I wanted to because with pregnancy you crave stuff but I also knew with those cravings if I ate that food then I would end up in hospital in enormous amounts of pain. After I separated from the boy's father for the second time I started to work. I focused a lot on my career and what I wanted to do and I started once again using food as a way to cope. I found that food was there for me all the time and it sounds really stupid but I suppose I can relate it back to smoking and I often do do this now when I talk about addiction and food addiction and any addiction really is it starts to become something that you turn to, it starts to become a friend, it starts to become something that's always there and as a reform smoker I gave up many years ago now. I know it's really difficult for some people to understand how someone can have a food addiction but when I do compare it to the the cigarettes people often seem to be able to relate to that a bit better than what what they can with food. Some years later I went on to meet a gentleman who I later married and we had twins together that's a whole episode in itself as well it's quite an interesting story and when the twins were born I was diagnosed with postnatal depression I went from being around 170 kilos in 2008 
when they were born to being 243 kilos in 2010. A lot of people ask me how I got there and it's really hard to explain what happened during that period of time because I don't remember a lot of it, which in itself is really difficult for me to deal with because I've forgotten a lot of the different things that my children did during those few years. But I turned to food. I turned to food to cope. And I didn't realize what I was doing. I would simply go out and buy bigger clothes. I would go and buy bigger things to accommodate my size. I was not fitting into chairs like I used to and I would have to break my shower door so that I was able to fit into it properly. I wasn't able to take care of myself the way I used to be able to and I understand people may find this hard to comprehend but when you're depressed you don't really seem to notice a lot of the different things that go on around you including what you're doing to your body I discovered that I was 243 kilos when I was in hospital I used to suffer from migraines a lot and I needed to have an MRI because my neurosurgeon needed to rule out a tumor he asked me how much I weighed and I told him I weighed 175 kilos because as far as I knew that's what I was I hadn't weighed myself since after I'd had the twins and I jumped on a set of scales and they didn't register and I suppose I've got to paint the picture here actually I had a really 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 horrible migraine I had a towel over my face so that I didn't have to see light because my migraine was worsened by light and I was standing in the hallway of a hospital on a set of scales the scales didn't register. I stood on them and numbers appeared and then they blacked out. And I said to the nurse, oh, well, am I using them properly? And the nurse said, yeah, you are. It was a male nurse. And I stood on them again. Once again, they blacked out. And I said to the nurse, look, do you mind if I try something? And he said, sure. So I put my foot down on the scales and I watched them go up slowly. I went from, you know, 120, 130, 140, and I managed to get them up to 205 before they blacked out. And I asked the nurse what weight the scales went up to, and he had a look, and sure enough, they went up to 200 kilos, which meant that I was over 200 kilos, and that was really hard for me to accept. I, I was mortified. I, I don't really have a lot of words <laughs> for, for how I felt then. That's, I suppose, once again, another episode in itself. Long story short, they ended up having to get another set of scales and it took them quite a while. So I was hyperventilating, crying. I wasn't able to breathe, which was in turn making my migraine worse. And the scales they bought up went up to 300 kilos and I stood on them and 243 popped up and I, I accepted that day that, that I had let myself go a lot more than what I thought I had. After I'd gotten home from hospital, after I'd been treated for the migraine, I ended up researching weight loss surgery. It's something I'd thought about before. It was something I'd 
looked at doing in the past but being told that if I didn't do something I was going to die was a shock it was hard to stomach it was hard to hear those words and I still don't even know how I'm here I'm not going to cry during this podcast my god this is my first podcast this is like a positive thing and making people want to hear more and but I'm trying (laughs) so hard not to get emotional about that moment but when a doctor says to you that you're not going to see your kids grow up and your children are not very old at all and and you're only 30 it's it's really hard to fathom so I contacted a weight loss surgeon I met him he was brilliant he was a really lovely bloke and I decided to have lap band. I decided that for a couple of different reasons. A, the sleeve wasn't as well known as what it is today back in 2010. B, I was too heavy to safely undergo a bypass because you have to be under for a lot longer when you have a bypass and when you have a lap band. I didn't want to die after having, you know, giving it a shot to save my life. The last thing I wanted to do was die under anesthetic and not be able to have another go at at life and losing weight. So I opted for the band and I had to go on OptiFast for several months prior to that. So on the day of my surgery, I was 204 kilos. So during my pre-op diet, I lost an incredible amount of weight, but I would need to look up and see what I actually was when I started OptiFast because I wasn't 243. I think I was around 235 because I decided at that point when I found out how much I weighed that I'm not I'm not doing this anymore. I ended up having my surgery. It was successful. I went from 204 kilos to 165 kilos in the space of 12 months. During that time, I was at the gym. I was eating really well. But I still hadn't clicked that I was an emotional eater. I mean, I knew I was an emotional eater, but my stomach would only take so much food. But my head was saying, hey, look, you could eat more than that. So I would quite often eat to the point where I would vomit because my smaller stomach, as a result of the band, wouldn't accommodate the food that I was eating. So... I very quickly learned that I could no longer emotionally eat and I started to resent my lap band and I found it to be more of a a hindrance than a help toward the end because I wasn't in the right frame of mind to be able to accommodate having that surgery and that's once again this isn't a, a blame game this isn't trying to point fingers at anyone because I know that my surgeon is brilliant and I still see him so it's definitely not his fault and it's definitely not the fault of the team that also looked after me I just wasn't ready and I really wish that now I had looked much more closely at my mind at that time rather than leaving it for as many years as I did but anyway I've learned from it and once again that's that's another episode. My lap band slipped. I had a fill put in and I wasn't able to eat cuz there was quite a lot of fill and the band ended up slipping 
and my port also flipped and they're not sure why ports flip. They do know why bands slip, but they have no idea how that happened. So I went in for surgery and that all went really well, but I never quite got back on the bandwagon. Absolutely no pun intended there with the use of the word band, but I never got back on it. And so I went from 165 to 211 kilos in the space of a couple of years. From time to time, I would try and lose weight. I would start back up again. I'd go for a walk or I'd rejoin the gym or I'd decide, hey, look, I'm going to eat well again. And I have a blog, which I haven't written in for a while. I actually need to to start contributing to that again, but I've been more focused on my Facebook or my Instagram. But my blog... I remember revisiting after, you know, a couple of years and writing, hey, I'm planning on doing this and I'm going to start losing weight again. And I remember in the end, I felt quite embarrassed at the fact that I kept stopping and starting and I I didn't really know how to tell my audience who had been following me on that journey that I wasn't coping. And I did it as best as I could. I... I haven't deleted any of those entries. They're all still there. And I actually feel quite sad when I read them because I I did try and I did want it, but I, I wasn't ready. In October 2017, I woke up one morning and I want to swear, but I don't know if anyone's got kids in their car or what environment people are listening to this in, so I'm not going to, but I woke up and I thought, if it I have had enough. And the night before I had ordered a lot of Domino's desserts, which wasn't the first time I'd done that. I ordered the brownies, the pancakes, the churros, churros, whatever you call them, the big cinnamon donut things. I ordered the chocolate mousse. I had the ice cream, whatever you can think. And I ate it, not all of it, but I ate a majority of it. And I woke up and I, I didn't like the way I looked. I didn't like where I was heading. I didn't like what my future looked like. And so I decided then and there that I was going to do something. And from that day on, I have not looked back. Yes, I still do have my lap band, but my port has flipped again. I did actually go and attempt to have a fill in January 2018. And the gentleman who was going to give me my fill told me he could, but he'd have to put the needle through my back because my port had flipped and the hole to fill my lap band was no longer on my stomach. But he yeah, he made a really bad joke and I'm probably not explaining it very well at all. <laughs> but my lap band has absolutely no fill in it at all. All the fill was taken out a number of years ago. So my lap band's still there, but I can eat the same amount as what anyone else who hasn't had surgery can. I suppose the only thing my lap band does for me is I don't feel hunger as much as I used to so I'll talk about lap bands in another episode but a lap band is placed in a particular area that helps stimulate different messages to your brain so I don't feel as hungry as what I used to but that's also a bad thing because it means that I have to remind myself to eat and to be able to function as well as I'd like and be able to be as healthy as I want to I need to make sure that I'm I'm eating all my calories how did I do it 
Well, I quit sugar. Yes, I'm one of those crazy I quit sugar ladies, one of the ones I never wanted to be, one of the ones I used to look at and think, oh my God, how do you live without chocolate? Well, I don't live without chocolate. I still do have chocolate and I eat chocolate in moderation. I don't eat the block anymore, but I don't deprive myself of anything. But I quit refined sugars. I suppose I should correct myself there before people start (laughs) messaging me telling me that you cannot physically quit all sugars because you can't. But I quit refined sugars. I stopped eating a lot of processed foods. I started going to the gym regularly. I started paying attention to what I was doing. I started focusing on where I wanted to be. I started writing down goals and sticking to them. One thing that I did at the beginning of my journey, and obviously this is what my podcast is about, is sharing my hints and tips and the things that I've learned with you guys so that you can apply them yourself or at least pick up on a couple of different things that I've done that may may spark some motivation or some inspiration in you. But I have every day committed that day to making sure that I do my best and I use every single opportunity that I have to make a better choice so just an example if this morning I wanted to have a mighty McMuffin which I used to have all the time I would have scrambled eggs instead and one thing I started doing right from the very beginning was asking myself this phrase how bad do you want it And I don't mean how bad do I want the chocolate cake or how bad do I want the Mighty McMuffin or how bad do I want the block of chocolate or the hot cross bun or whatever item of food is in front of me. I mean, how bad do I want my goal? And I would focus on that. I would focus on that image that I still have of myself at 85 kilos, which is ultimately where I'd like to be. I know I'll have to have some skin removed before I can get to that goal because I do have a lot of excess skin, but... I still ask myself to that day, how bad do you want it? And I don't ask myself as often as I used to, but I have that catchphrase that keeps me going. And that has kept me going now for, oh God, I'm so bad at maths and I'm so bad at working out months and calendars. What, 18 months? And in that time, I've lost a lot of weight. I'll speak about that in my next episode, how much I've lost and how many centimeters I've lost. And I'll talk to you about my goals and how I get there and my heart rate and all the other interesting scientific things in my upcoming episodes. But I hope this episode has given you an idea of, of where I've been. And it's, it's been hard <laughs> sharing 39 years in the space of 31 minutes. But I know that I haven't been able to capture absolutely everything that I've done in that time. But I hope that I've been able to give you an idea of, of who I am and where I've come from and what I've been doing and how I got to where I got to. And if this is the only podcast you listen to, I want you to know that you can change your life. You can change it around. And whilst the first part of this was probably really grim (laughs) and at times hard to listen to, I want you to know that it doesn't matter where you've been or where you come from, you can do something about your life, you can make changes and, and whether that's 
something to do with your weight or, or something to do with the amount of, of time you move your body each day or the amount of water you drink. It's in your control. And it took me a long time to learn that. And it's actually a really bitter pill to swallow. A lot of the time I wanted to place blame on others for where I'd been. I wanted to place blame on others for how I got to where I did. Hence why I wanted to put that little disclaimer right at the beginning that this isn't a blame game. This isn't saying that that person did that or this person could have done that better. This is on me. And I accept that. And the moment I accepted that and the moment I took control of my life, the moment things got a lot easier for me. <sighs> there you go. So that's episode number one. So I have got a massive list of stuff that people have asked me to talk about and I definitely plan on doing that. I have no idea where I'm going to upload this shit and I have no idea even if I'll be able to save it <laughs> successfully without deleting it. But I hope you've enjoyed it. If you've got any questions at all, please feel free to get in touch. You can get in touch with me on Facebook or on Instagram. I also do have an email address that I will post up. Fun fact for the day, my name has always been moving forward looking forward and when I started shortening that or look at shortening that I actually bought a domain name um, so moving forward looking forward.com.au is mine but I shortened it to mflf and I got myself a couple of business cards to help with networking and it actually looks like it says milf so <laughs> it's a bit embarrassing but you know what I'm gonna own it I love it I think it's authentic I think it's a talking piece and yeah it's um part of my email address but I don't remember what that is right now I think it's Steph at MILF or no, not even MILF oh my gosh listen to me Steph at MFLF at Gmail or something but I'll post that down but I'm happy to answer any questions if you've got anything you'd like me to speak about or expand on please let me know I'm more than happy to do that as well and I really look forward to chatting with you more presenting some stuff to you and and hope that you're able to grab something from it because I think the more tools we have the better off we're going to be in being successful our own version of successful not society not not your bosses no one else's version of successful but your version of successful what makes you a better person and and what makes you a healthier version of you whatever that may be i hope you have an amazing day and listen to that my dog start barking just at the end i will chat to you all soon take care <laughs>